welcome to the Alabama Literacy Networks podcast, which is designed to share information and best practices for literacy. We hope to bring a wide variety of resources together to help school leaders, teachers, and parents so that all children read at high levels. We believe that literacy is a fundamental right that is tied to so many positive outcomes that we want for all citizens. This podcast was brought to you by the Alabama Science of Reading group on Facebook. With free professional learning and a community dedicated to improving reading, it's no wonder that so many people are part of this. If you aren't a member already, join for free online. I'm your host, Shelley Bell Smith. Today, we will be talking to Dr. Judith Hockman. Dr. Judith Hockman is the creator of the Hockman Method and founder of The Writing Revolution, a nonprofit organization dedicated to training and supporting teachers and school leaders in implementing an explicit set of evidence-based strategies for teaching writing. Dr. Hockman served as the head of the Windward School in White Plains, New York, a nationally renowned independent school focused on teaching students with learning disabilities. She is the founder of the Windward Teaching Training Institute and a former superintendent of the Greenberg Graham Union Free School District in Hastings on Hudson, New York. Dr. Hockman is the author of The Writing Revolution, a guide to advancing thinking through writing in all subjects and grades, along with co-author Natalie Wexler in a chapter entitled Composition, Expressive Language and Writing in the Publication, Multisensory Teaching of Basic Language Skills and Numerous Articles. Welcome, Judy. I am so excited to have you as a guest on the podcast. As you know, I am a super big fan of your work. And when Natalie Wexler introduced me to you, I was just giddy. I was over the moon with excitement. And honestly, I still am. Well, thank you very much. It's a Pleasure to be interviewed by you. But what can you tell everyone about how you became involved in literacy and writing? Well, I spent a, a lot of years in the classroom teaching a very wide range of grades. And uh, as time went on and I got a degree in special education, I became very interested in how children learn, not just learning in language disabled children, but all children, because what I found The things that work for learning disabled children really work very well for all children. The differences in the pace that you're teaching. I became interested in learning much more about it. And the focus eventually became on writing. And then you became a principal and a superintendent. And you just have uh, done so many different things. But it feels like writing has been this thread through so much of it. That's very true. I noticed early on that there was a great deal of research in reading, but not a comparable amount of research in writing at all. And it was at the Windward School where the kids did have learning disabilities that I decided that we should try a very granular way of teaching expository writing, which is the writing that they would encounter most often in school and in life, writing that explains and informs, and that we should start at a very basic level, the sentence, not take anything for granted, and see how we would progress with these children. We had some challenges, but not too many. It was surprising to us how the students progressed with the strategies that we developed. And eventually, we started a teacher training institute. And at the time, 
the first few years, most of the teachers that came to the Institute for classes in reading and writing, we used a Norton-Gillingham method of reading. They were special education teachers. But after a few years, the primary participants were from the mainstream because the mission of the school was to return children to the mainstream. And when our kids returned to the mainstream, they were really very good writers and they didn't need a lot of support. And in fact, they were better writers than many kids in general education because they had received foundational skills that just weren't being taught. And I don't know about you, Shelley, but I didn't learn anything about teaching writing in graduate school. It was empty. So we had to kind of feel our own way with this. Absolutely. So, you know, obviously what you were doing with these students, A, was working, and then B, became known by so many people. Now it's named after you, the Hockman Method. Great tribute to your dedication to not only teaching students to write, but teaching teachers how to write. And and you're right, I didn't have any kind of training that helped me do that. It was literally me learning by trial and error. I was a high school English teacher, and I came out knowing how to analyze you know, British literature, but I didn't know any of the components of grammar or how to teach writing. How common do you think that kind of situation is in our teacher ed programs? And and what have you seen the impact of teachers not having that kind of background or training has been on students? Kids can't write. You know, when when you say it doesn't matter the socioeconomic level or the grade level, or where, or where they are in a workplace, it's very rare that you don't hear complaints about how children write. And I know that um, when I was in graduate school many decades ago and started teaching writing, I was doing a lot wrong. For example, I taught grammar in isolation. We would have uh, classes in diagramming sentences, and uh, I gave assignments that were very creative and wonderful, totally apart from the curriculum. And giving assignments is not the same as teaching students how to write. The other end of the spectrum after I was teaching for a while was a kind of unstructured way of writing instruction where students were writing in journals and getting very positive feedback and asked about their personal experiences and once again, it was fairly unstructured. It was an it was writer's workshop, candidly, which was really originally meant for adults. We saw, I'm going to be very candid, the, the victims of writer's workshop, because when you deal with students who are not in linguistically rich language situations or have some language-based learning disabilities of their own, This is not a way that you're going to ever teach them how to write competently. So neither one of those approaches worked at all. And I discovered that teaching grammar, I didn't discover it. There's there's good evidence that shows that teaching grammar in isolation just is not effective. So we didn't drop the grammar, but we embedded it in what 
we were teaching, which is the evolution of several high leverage sentence activities going into outlines, which help their organizational skills, their critical thinking skills, and on to really lengthy compositions. And along the way, we explicitly taught how to summarize. We explicitly taught how to revise writing. And everything was taught within the content of what the teachers were teaching in their classrooms. The within It was embedded in the content that teachers were teaching. And instead of it slowing the teachers down, it actually enhanced what the kids were learning because writing is a tremendous learning tool. And it's simply not used enough for that purpose. It's taught off to the side too often, divorced from curriculum. Yes. And I couldn't agree more. And of course, this is just audio. So people could not see my face when you talked about diagramming sentences, because that was the way I was taught in school and just refused to do it as a classroom teacher. And there are a lot of people who really believe that you have to teach the grammar first and then teach students to write. And I love the fact that that you really to show people how to incorporate the grammar with the writing so that it isn't an isolated exercise and frustration for students. And and to your point about the just thinking of writing as a tool that you can use in any subject area as just a thinking tool. And, you know, a lot of times that doesn't happen. And we've used all of those things that you talked about with writing workshop. I was, I did that exact same thing. And I think that that's the reason I recognize so much of my own teaching in, in what you describe in the book. Why do you think that we aren't using writing more as a teaching tool? And how, how do we move past that? Well, I think that it's certainly not the fault of teachers because it, they're not exposed to this in in many graduate programs. In fact, none that I'm, I'm aware of now, except for maybe one or two that are showing some interest in this method. And I use the word method advisedly. It's a method, not a program. A program is something that comes to you in a box and you use it um, as something apart from whatever else you're teaching. And our belief that this should be part of what the teacher is doing all day. And we find that teachers really are very grateful for this because writing is being assessed now more than ever in school and people are measured by their writing. I mean, there's no question about it. And so far as helping teachers become more effective writing instructors, there's almost no pushback on this at all because it doesn't take long for them to understand that students are very rarely asked to write a poem or a memoir in college or in the workplace, but they are asked to explain or inform or argue a point. And we want to put the emphasis in writing where they will find it the most useful. And we have nothing against creative writing, but in the limited time that we have in the classroom day to provide this instruction and to help teachers embed this instruction, that's where we feel the emphasis should be. And I think that when the teachers see 
the results that they get just at the sentence level, it helps them to understand how this does help the thinking and not just their critical thinking. It helps reading comprehension because students who can construct more linguistically complex sentences are better able to process those sentences when they encounter them in text. So we base this on the research that's out there and we've used it in a tremendous amount of settings. Uh, The Writing Revolution, the organization, not the book, offers courses, but our target population for partners are marginalized, underserved communities where we feel this is desperately needed. And we've gotten very good results from you know, our partnerships. So we're excited about that because teachers need this, their students need this, and it's gratifying to us to see our early thing validated. Absolutely. The book outlines this really linear progression for helping students with writing, specifically starting at the sentence level. And and there's some people who really think that writing a sentence is beneath where our students should be operating. So what are your thoughts on why this is so important? Well, I think it's not only important for primary and elementary students, but I think it's important right through high school, because if you take a look at some of the writing, and we have looked at tens and tens of thousands of writing samples over the years, there's a lot of secondary and even post-secondary students who really can't write a decent sentence. And yes, the method in the book and in the courses presents as a linear progression. However, that doesn't mean that you hold back on teaching them how to outline while you're writing the sentences and learning these activities, because they can overlap and you adjust your pace to who's sitting in front of you. And there's a lot of opportunities for differentiation depending on the ability range in the class, which is also helpful to teachers we found. And certainly I would find, I found that many years ago when I was trying it for myself and my colleagues. Absolutely. And I'm so glad that you mentioned the outlining and the different tools because it's so much more than just writing the sentence. It's how do you approach the thinking that goes into writing and and also just comprehending. And so I, I think that once students master writing an outline, then they can start recognizing the structure in other things that they're reading, especially this expository text that they're encountering every day. Right, right. And 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 these outlines perform a tremendous role in, in helping children not just comprehend what they're reading, but in producing their own work without repetition, without straying from the topic, without making the mistakes that we see so often in student writing. One little girl in Washington, D.C. told us some years ago, this outline helps my brain. And I said to her, it helps mine too, because we we tend to not move in in an orderly way. And the same thing with revising. The techniques that we use in teaching how to revise rest on the foundation of the sentence strategies and outlines. So what they've learned from doing those activities produces much more coherent, much more clear writing than it would without them. 
they need structure and then, you know, they can take off. Yes. And I just find myself, just like you said to that young lady, I need that structure for my own writing. And so it's easy to see how students can benefit from that. This work has become hugely popular in Australia. And I'm just wondering what you know about that work, because uh, honestly, when I first started following the writing revolution, a lot of it was coming out of Australia, which was really surprising to me. A certain school district in Australia had heard about the writing revolution. I think they had read the book. I know they had read the book at that time. I don't think there was online courses being given. And they came to New York and they, a small group, they visited some of our schools and they took the basic course and they went back. And I have to say it spread like wildfire. It really was a very gratifying for us and I think productive for them because we've gotten a lot of good feedback on it. And right now, um, we really have participants in the courses and sales of the book worldwide. So it's been interesting for me because expressive written language is not something that comes naturally to students. And even if they're highly verbal kids, even if they read fluently, that does not mean that they're going to write well. Even if they're very good readers, it doesn't mean that that it necessarily that they're going to be good writers. And so I think that the awareness of that has become, you know, more acute recently. And I think that there are writing standards that are out there, which are very good. But if you don't tell teachers very explicitly how to meet those standards, you're not doing them much of a favor. It's very frustrating. And so I think that's another reason for the popularity of the method and the book. Absolutely. And I do think because it is so teacher friendly, it's written for teachers and vetted by teachers. And and I love the work that the foundation does in training teachers. And I was just wondering if there's anything that you've learned that works, you know, especially well when helping teachers learn how to teach writing. One of the things that I think works very well is that the faculty at the Writing Revolution and myself personally, we've spent a lot of years in, in the classroom. We, we haven't analyzed writing at a, at a great distance. We've become aware of what works and what doesn't work, what teachers, what we wish we had earlier on to help us in some of my early days in the classroom, particularly regarding writing, I would like to forget because I really, I just didn't know how to do it. And I really thought it would come naturally and it absolutely did not. And so it's been inspiring to see how well the students have done and how adeptly teachers have been handling this. Well, and, and I think it goes back to the whole writing workshop. That's how I started out my career. And it was really this idea that people would just develop it, that it would just come naturally to people. And it has, for me, changed so much about how I view all instruction is knowing that if we teach students explicitly, then their chances of learning are so much greater. And I, I think that that's a revelation to a lot of people who were really trained in this other, if if you put it in front of them, they'll be able to do it. 
kind of method. Yeah, and I mean, you you just read mentioned writer's workshop or a lot of uh, the other ways that some of us taught writing earlier on. When the emphasis is on self-centered writing, writing about their own experiences, their own observations, because we all know that we write best about what we know, but it it really ignored the fact that children can learn a lot of knowledge and write about that knowledge. And so it's that I think was the single biggest influence that writing should be in the service of content and that writers writing should be reader centered, not self-centered. And that writing is a communicative skill and, and young children can really be helped to understand this. They can put themselves in the place of the reader and Understand what the reader needs to know, what the reader may want to know, how to express what they've learned with ways that would be enhancing their own analytic skills. Yes, it's just it's totally different than what I started out my teaching career and teaching writing. And I so wish that I had learned that earlier. When I read the book the first time, it it was an affirmation of so many things that I had learned in the classroom through trial and error. And when I read it the second time, I was really struck by just the sheer amount of scaffolds that are present for teachers to use with students. Why is this so important for teachers and students? Well, because we realize that you just can't hand a piece of paper with a sentence expansion activity on it or hand out a blank outline to students and encounter success, you really had to take this in a step-by-step fashion. And the difference between teaching more able students and teaching students who may be struggling is the pace that you that you use in going through it, as I think I mentioned earlier. But everybody needs this. And we realize that it's a step-by-step process for most students. And then once they have it, and once they've been exposed to this, they own it. And it's the same thing with revising. And it's the same thing with summarizing. Each of these segments that we're teaching and writing build on each other. I think Natalie Wexler uses an expression that knowledge is like Velcro, it tends to stick together. And it's the same thing with the elements of this method. They tend to stick together as the children learn them, as the students learn them. And ownership of this method is really important. Absolutely. And as you were talking, I was just thinking about the importance of modeling. And for teachers to be able to model for students what they're being asked to do really requires teachers to have a fairly high level of knowledge of of what it is that we're asking students to do. And that is something that a lot of people just feel insecure about is their own ability to write. And so this explicit model really I feel like gives people some comfort and some direction in in doing that. We love when teachers tell us that it made them better writers because that's very inspiring to us. Now, because certainly we were not taught explicitly as young students in school. Uh, in my, my experience, like yours, was really heavy on the grammar. And for the younger teachers, they were really, for the most part, 
exposed to the what I just call self-centered kind of writing. And everybody gets an award, no matter what they write or how they write it. It's terrific. And you must have had a wonderful weekend. And the zoo sounds great. And even though it's mainly unintelligible, you know, that was how we did things a while back, where even the feedback in, in the writing revolution is built on the sentence work and the outline work. So the student, as they get the feedback, they're they're familiar with what you know you want them to do. It isn't make your topic sentence juicier or add more details. If you give explicit feedback, the writing will be greatly enhanced. And kids know when they're writing better. They know it. They learn that as they begin to read more. They can identify good writing as opposed to weak writing. Absolutely. And what a confidence builder it is when they experience that success writing. I've just seen that so many times with students. You've spent a large amount of time with students with learning disabilities. And people really sometimes think that these students are the ones that are least likely to be able to write. What specific impact have you seen with students with disabilities with the Hockman method that people should know about? Well, of course, the students that I worked with at the Windward School were students who were able to incorporate this method into their repertoire of learning. And what I saw with them is invariably when they returned, as I said earlier, to the mainstream, the validation that they got about their writing was really very confidence building because oftentimes they were writing better than most of the other students who hadn't received explicit instruction or who teachers expected too much of them too soon. Lengthy essays in third grade before they could write, you know, a decent sentence. And they weren't using, the general ed students weren't using the written structures of language like a positives and subordinating conjunctions, you know, adding clauses. I mean, if I said Shelley, a gifted educator from Alabama is interviewing Judith Hockman from New York on a podcast today. That has a number of clauses and that has a positive in it. So teaching in a positive in grammar is very important. Teaching subordinating conjunctions is very important in the service of more complex, sophisticated sentences. That's how we teach grammar. I mean, that's a very hurried and, you know, not so clear, but I I think it's getting the point across that the grammar, the writing all has a common purpose. And what we've seen anecdotally, which is interesting in both the learning disabled population and in the mainstream is that the students become more competent in elaborating their own language. So in expanding what they're saying and giving a listener more information and inserting transitions in what they're saying, which is really a gift for them. Absolutely. And and I just was thinking back to like what you were talking about with kind of this multi-sensory reading instruction. So many of the times that we have had students diagnosed with a learning disability is because they really had not received the appropriate instruction, the explicit instruction in these kind of multi-sensory techniques. You're absolutely right. And the same with writing. It's just 
almost the lack of instruction sometimes that ends up with students having these labels when it's really an instructional issue to begin with. A, A close colleague of mine once described the population you're referring to as not learning disabled, but curriculum disabled, because if they had received, as you said, explicit instruction earlier on, they would be fine. And we know, we've known for some time what works in reading. Writing has remained in the mist for a while, but hopefully that will change. That That's what our hope is, that this will change and it will be very empowering to teachers and their students when it does. And and I think that that's exactly what it does is it pulls back this curtain of mystery and it makes it accessible to teachers and students. And I think that those kind of instructional victims, kind of what you were talking about, you know, curriculum disabled, I think that we have the control and now we have the knowledge to change it. It's just the will to do it, getting the right knowledge and the right skills in in teachers' hands. So really just thinking about, you know, beyond the book, there are professional learning courses available. Why are those kinds of courses that the Institute offers so valuable for people wanting to implement this in schools? I think that seeing the results, actually seeing our teachers present these courses, seeing examples of student writing, watching visually step by step by step, both in the explanations of the faculty and in the videos that they show, and in the worksheets that they demonstrate, which there are dozens in the courses, and access to the resource, the online resource library that's offered to people who take the course. They have an in-depth look at this in 3D. That's helpful to them. I mean, the, uh, the course evaluations have been overwhelmingly positive. And I think it's because it's something that teachers really want their students to be successful. They they want ways to achieve that. We have a K-2 course, we have a 312 course, we have a STEM course. And then uh, where, where the outcomes are most successful is where there's a whole school implementation. So there's courses on that, on leadership of this. And It's been very inspiring and dramatic for us to see that this has caught on, which demonstrates there is such a need for this. And kids will always have to know how to write. There's very few professions, very few workplaces that don't require some kind of written expression. And this seems to fill that need. We've seen writing techniques that we espouse on Fulbright applications, as well as on email. So it's been, it's an interesting journey. So can you share some of your thoughts on assessing student writing, specifically what works and what doesn't? So rubrics are commonly used and rubrics are uh, helpful as far as a ranking device. But as far as moving from one square to the next square in a rubric, they're not very helpful. They, they really don't show the teacher how to do that. So we found rubrics to be of limited assistance. We've been using for the past few years a, a method called comparative judgment. 
that comes out of the UK, where there there also is a quite a large number of followers of the writing revolution. And I can't go into it; would take too long to go into it now. But basically, you're comparing pieces of writing and making a judgment on which one is better, and then we go into more depth as to why, based on what we're teaching. And we found that to be very powerful, less time consuming. The author of the program, I hope I'm going to pronounce her last name correctly, is Daisy Crystal Daisy Crystalopoulos. This this has changed the world of assessment for us. And I would highly recommend it. I'll, I'll send you a link as find out more about this. And, and I'll also share that with audience members, just thinking about that comparative judgment and, and also thinking about the modeling. And I think that for me, one of the ways that I learned, going back to those professional learning courses, one of the ways that I learned was watching another master teacher teach writing. Right. And and I also think when you think about assessing writing, bringing students into looking at other writing and, and letting them see what other students are doing, especially models, uh, I found that really very helpful Like for students to see an exemplar and letting them understand what does good writing look like? You know, exemplars have a purpose. There's no question about it, Shelley. Sometimes having them compare on the same topic, a piece of weak writing with strong writing and having them identify why isn't the weak writing better and what's making the strong writing strong is very helpful. But even then, they have to have some knowledge about what works in writing to identify in an exemplar why it worked. And so if they know a little bit about organizing written text, and if they know a little bit about what a well-composed sentence looks like, they can say if they're giving the reader enough information, if they're using varied vocabulary, if they're varying the types of sentence structure, that they, if they're not repeating the information that they're giving the reader, and so forth. They then they become much more adept at being writing critics. Absolutely. And to your point, we can't expect students to comment and learn from things that they don't have a basis. They don't have the knowledge about it. And, you know, one of the things that I don't think I've done enough discussion uh, with you about is just really this use of the writing revolution in those content areas where it is a thinking tool. And I feel like I've, I've ignored that huge component of your work. And and so I just kind of wanted to circle back and, and maybe let's talk about that for just a moment. Well, you know, there's a very popular sentence strategy that I think sums up why it's a thinking tool. Many of us would ask our children, why is Lincoln remembered today? Okay, very open-ended question. However, if you ask it this way, Lincoln is remembered today because... Lincoln is remembered today, but Lincoln is remembered today, so you're asking the students to analyze this at a much deeper level. And you can bring that kind of critical analysis to 
why plants need water right up to the Kansas-Nebraska Act or the Industrial Revolution, because the principles of this program remain stable throughout the grades. It's the content that drives the rigor. And so this is something that we would hope kids and teachers understand that as you're teaching this, and this can actually change teacher practice as far as questioning because you can help kids analyze information at a much deeper level, and they can bring this along with them through school. If you're asking why, when did this happen? Where did this happen? How did that happen? You're asking them to expand and elaborate their thinking in a way that they assume readers or listeners would know that puts them in in the shoes of the person they're communicating with, which is a skill that writers have to have, must have, in order to communicate clearly. So each strategy is formulated with these things in mind. And I I hope that's helpful. Oh, absolutely. You know, just to that point of using these strategies across the curriculum, the entire school, like you were um, mentioning earlier, it can't just be English language arts teachers teaching writing. Yeah, writing is something that everybody needs to be doing. And partially because it is such a powerful thinking tool. And it's a lifelong skill. And so it's something and so I I love because but so and I think that a lot of people can use that. But I think really stressing just the power of writing in general, whether that is a, a summary or or whatever, we've got to get people in all subject areas using writing. They're expected to write in so many circumstances today. I did very little writing in math or science when I was a student. Today, much more writing is expected. So this does put a burden on teachers if they really don't know any way to go about this. And we think we found the key to helping them go about it in a very efficient way. Yes. And I just would encourage everyone to not only read the book, but take the course. I am doing that this summer and I'm just so excited about learning more. Judy, I want to thank you so much for being with me today. It has been an absolute thrill and honor to get to talk to you and to learn from you. Well, it's very been a pleasure talking with you, Shelley. Thank you. Thank you. Join us again for the next episode of the Alabama Literacy Network.